0: putting on me for this church and this next direction that we are taking. I believe there is a clear break in in the direction of this church. Where we have been is now over, as I said last Tuesday. Where we are going is now yet to be determined. What God is calling us to do at this moment is come alive. Is to come alive and to become that which he is calling us to be. You're not here by accident this morning and you're not here by chance because I believe that what God is calling out of his people and in this church is telling us to begin to dream again and begin to hold to those things again and to begin to cry out to the Lord again because there is a plan, there is a purpose that God has for this church and your family and this community that goes beyond where we have been and it's going to take us to the next level but we have to walk with God alone. It's not going to be something that we're going to achieve because we got together and decided we're going to do great things for God. No, it's going to be a dream. It's going to be a vision. If the Lord does not come on the scene and rescue us and provide and help us, we won't be able to do it. If God doesn't show up, then we will be certainly lost and never achieve it. But if God shows up, if we dream a big dream and grab a big vision and hold to what the Lord has called us to do and then we make room for God. You're going to see the miraculous. I'm telling you you're going to see the mightiness of God. You're going to see the favor of the Lord if you let God in your dream and let God in your vision. But without Him we become a church designed around programs, around ideas that we read in a book or we heard from our friends or that we heard down the road that the church down the road's doing this thing and, or these people are doing that thing. I'm telling you this morning, God doesn't want us copying anybody. He wants us to be East Point Church of God who he called for this place for such a time as this. So what the Holy Spirit is asking me to to convey to you this morning, is a message of returning home. Let me give to you the context of the Hebrew culture that's going on right now. Today is the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. And most people don't really get that. That's one of those feasts we all get Passover. That's when that's uh, the moment that the death angel passed over the house. We we see the lamb is slain there, and we get that. We see the connection to Easter involved in that with Jesus, and understand that process. That and we kind of get the the feast of a Pentecost, especially us as Pentecostals, when the when the Holy Spirit descended on the church. That's where we got the name Pentecostals. But it's after the. Fr- the term or the Feast of Pentecost, which happened during the time when Moses received the law. So we, we, we see and kind of align with that, but the Feast of the Tabernacles, that's, that's a little weird to us. You say, well, what is it? Well, let's read Leviticus chapter 23, verse 34. The Bible says, speak to the children of Israel, saying, the 15th day of the seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days to the Lord. So last week, they started the Feast of Tabernacles in, in Jewish, and you would probably hear it as the Feast of Sukkot, S-U-K-K-O-T. And it is it means that the Jews would travel to Jerusalem, and they would live outside of the city, and they would dwell in huts, in tents, that they would construct outside of the city. And as they would dwell there, they would live in these huts and tents, and it would remind them of their journey out of Egypt, but also God's hand of covering them for 40 years when they wandered in the wilderness. Kind of an odd thing. It's an odd, odd feast, an odd, odd thing to celebrate, but it, we, we kind of clean it up with the word tabernacle. It sounds churchy. Tabernacles. So the Feast of Tabernacles, but really what it is, is a Feast of Tents all the way around there. And so the Bible says in Leviticus 23, verse 42, it says, You shall dwell in booths or tabernacles for seven days, and all who are native Israelites shall dwell in booths. Verse 43, that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. And I am the Lord your God. Now, notice here, verse 43, very carefully, the last phrasing there. And here gives us a hint to why this is happening. That your generation may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths when? When I brought them out of the land of Egypt. So, the time period of this. God is telling us he caused them, once they left left Egypt, he caused the children of Israel to dwell in these tents, these booths, these tabernacles outside of the land of Egypt. Now, let me give you a booth that you are all very familiar with and get it in your mind's eye. And, uh, oh, uh, man, I want to preach this message, but God won't let me. Let me read you. John 1:10 the Bible says he was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him he came to his own and he, his own did not receive him but as many as he received excuse me as many as received him to them he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name who were born not of blood nor the will of the flesh nor the will of man but of God who are they talking about he's talking about Jesus verse 14. Of John 1, 14. And the word Jesus became flesh and dwelt. This word in Hebrew is sukkoh or tabernacle. And this word became flesh and tabernacled among us or dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So what is a booth that you're very familiar with? Usually at Christmas time, we have this little thing here. We call it a manger scene. And on the outside, you see in, because these succos or these booths or these tabernacles, that's where they put their animals. And the Bible tells us that Jesus came and dwelt in one of those from day one. It was an image, and we celebrated Christmas time to remind us that Jesus would say later that that He doesn't have a place to lay His head. He's walking with His Father. He's not real interested in the things of this world. He's interested in pleasing His Father. And so, the image of the booth or the tabernacle or or the first one that we've seen, we see at Christmas time, we're reminded of it every year. And in fact, some scholars believe, some, not all, some scholars believe that it is possible that it was in fact this time that that census that Luke describes that was supposed to be taking place. Others believe it was Passover. Either way, Jesus came at a time when they were all going on a journey and they dwelt in a booth. Now the Bible says there was no room for them in the inn, so they did what they they knew how to do. They found him a booth. They found him a tabernacle. They found him a succult. And they laid down and rested. You see, the point of what I'm getting at today and why we have to return home and understand what we're talking about is that this passage, this understanding of of this feast, it doesn't make sense to us unless you recognize the time period of when they first left Egypt. Imagine with me the scenario. You've been in slavery 430 years. The Bible tells us 430 years. In fact, Exodus 12:37 tells us something very important. It says at the end of that 430 years, the children of Israel journeyed from Ramesses to Succoth. By the way, that mean that word Succoth in Exodus 12:37 means booth. About 600,000 men on foot, besides children. we we. we we see this, this passage here. They left Egypt and they, they left the comfort of Egypt. You say, well, what do you mean? They were in slavery, yes, but they had homes. And if how many of you remember studying the Old Testament of children wandering in the wilderness? And what were they grumbling about? Most of the time they were grumbling about. The, the manna, that's one of them, but they were grumbling about not having the ability to provide for themselves and not having their own place to live. They grumbled, if we'd have just not left Egypt, lo, they, Moses, did you bring us out here to die? That was a common complaint over and over and over again. You see where we understand and hear me this morning and I want you to I, I want this to hit you square in the face. Because this is my only point. Remember I told you I usually only preach with one point in a message? This is it. Sometimes slavery of Egypt becomes easier than living in faith. Sometimes living in slavery in Egypt is easier than walking in faith. You see, where we are in life is that we will never accomplish anything if we don't want to risk anything, you will never accomplish anything in your life. You will never grow. If, I mean, basically, it, th- that particular day, if you won't get out of the bed, you can't do anything. You've got to take one step. You've got to do go one step further. you got to go beyond. And what that means is, and many times we, we get so wrapped up in fear that we are, we are held to where we were and unable to go to where God is taking us. We're afraid of the unknown. We're afraid of the uncertainty. Here is a group of people that were in slavery 430 years. It's been a long time since some remembers what it's like to be free it's been a long time when somebody remembers what it was like before they were in slavery. And so they, they they have no idea. They have no concept of it. They, they have no understanding of freedom. They have no understanding of what it means to soar. Hear me today. There are people in our country today that they have lost the ability and understanding what it means to soar in the way God wants us because we have been content to live as slaves and not allowing the Lord to rescue us and provide for us. Tell me... Let me tell you, let me be as blunt as I possibly can be. A country without God is a country that is destined to fail. With God, you can do all things. Without God, you can't do anything. We are a generation removed from understanding the potentiality. Listen, it was just a generation or two ago that literally the entire world was on fire, and Hitler and all of the, all those evil powers had gathered together to destroy this world, and then there was a people that trusted in the lord that cried out to god that had prayer meetings that, that called unto the lord that prayed and sought the lord and your parents your grandparents your great-grandparents was one of those people that ushered in this what the commonly today in america known as the greatest generation that allowed us to achieve where we are today But we've got young people this morning that don't understand the sacrifice that will need to be required in order to achieve what they're wanting to do. It won't come to you by just somebody handing it to you. Nobody's going to give you anything in this world. This world wants to steal, kill, and destroy, and your slave masters will take their whips and whack you across your back just to keep you content and docile. But I'm here to tell you that God has led me here to bring you a movement of deliverance out of Egypt and out of slavery and get a vision and a dream to achieve what God wants for you in your life. Amen. Mm. We cannot be content to allow those that are over us to whip us and hold us back any longer. It's time to launch out and recognize nobody's going to give it to you and nobody's going to hand it to you and nobody's going to provide it for you. There's only one that's going to give you manna in the wilderness. There's only one that's going to give you quail when you need meat to eat. And there's only one that's going to provide for you water out of a the rock. There's only one that's going to be your sustenance. There's only one that's going to help you in your dark. Your greatest need. No one else is going to help you. This government isn't going to help you. This state isn't going to help you. But your Savior, Jesus Christ, will come down into your life, into your house, into your business. And he will provide for you if you launch out and trust him. Praise the Lord. Don't wait on anybody providing things for you. Go out and do what God has given you a dream to do. But if you don't do that, you will stay where you are because it's easier to live as a slave in Egypt than walk in the wilderness by faith. Oh, that's hard preaching, but it's the truth. It is so much easier to stay idle. And let and let somebody else do it. It's so much easier to stay idle and let somebody else handle the workload. I know they're whipping me, but you know what? I gotta got a roof over my head and I got I got food they're providing for me. And yet now they're asking me to make bricks without straw. But if I go out there, I'm going to have to do something I don't want to do, and that's believe in somebody I don't know. Oh, when you. When you refuse to allow yourself to walk by faith, you are limiting the blessing and the favor and the dream of God in your life. You are consistently living as Egyptian slave. Trust me, I'm preaching because I've been here. I know what I'm talking about. It, there is This time of the year, brother was telling about how I, I come from up north. It would be a whole lot easier for me to go home. But God has asked me to walk a path, and I'm walking the path. I'm not trying to elevate myself. I'm just telling you I'm one among millions that do the very same thing people that walk the path. They say, I don't, I'm not interested in what the world has for me. There are times if I wanted to, I could return home and go back to what I was doing but the Lord's fire that's inside of my belly will not allow me to do so because he's got me on a path by faith and I'm not going to be satisfied in Egypt with some kind of house, some kind of dwelling and some kind of food and allow my Egyptian masters to whip me on the back of my neck. All I know is that the Lord. Lord has placed a vision in front of me that he has put in my path and said, if you walk this way, I will provide for you. You may not know what's going to happen tomorrow, and you may not know how you're going to get to the next level, but if you just trust me and hold to me and let me show you what I'm going to do, I will take you places you've never been before. I will bring you things you've never seen before. I will open doors you've never even imagined before. If you walk by faith and not by sight. There is a place this morning in the presence of God that we are called to be. Trials are only those things that the enemy brings in us to stagnate us, to make us afraid. It's true. Let me give you one, myself. When I was... Living up north, I was in seminary, I had a two-hour drive on the interstate, and early in the morning, snow would hit. They will not cancel anything, trust me. And so, the only way they would cancel something is if the salt trucks or the blades weren't able to cover it. But most of the time, you just go. And if you're further north than I was, you put snow tires and chains on your tires and you don't care what happens. Anyway, I remember one particular winter bad. Ah, man, I was in close to Cleveland, Ohio. And I had to be in Cincinnati, Ohio to introduce a particular event in the church, God, in February. And so I had to travel And there was an ice storm that was coming through. And I I probably should have canceled, but I was dumb enough to drive. And so I was driving through there, and I was, as I was rolling down the interstate, I saw one wreck after another, after another, after another. I probably saw 100 accidents, and that's probably under what happened. Cars would be driving along, boom, off they go the road. And I'm telling myself, you're too far down this road to go anywhere else. Once, sometimes when you get on a road, you just got to be on the road. Because if you turn around and go back, it's the same thing going back. So I was headed down the way. I remember I was cutting our cross-dating. And there was this interstate that cuts the corner so you don't have to go through the city. And I was going down there. Every time that I went under an overpass. So, you know, in interstate, when, you went, when I went under an overpass, the, the, the ice wouldn't, wasn't melting there because it wasn't getting any sun. And every time I would drive under an overpass right there, I remember it vividly, there was at least five to ten cars per overpass that had slammed into something. And as I was driving through there, my car moved a couple of times. But I was praying A lot. And as I was driving through there, and I was still doing the speed limit. How dumb is that? I'm just booking it down that way. And finally, I get to where I'm going. We have the service that night. I leave. I go out to my car, and there's an inch of ice on my windshield. And then my hotel is a mile away. And it took me an hour and a half to get there because you can only let the car idle because if you touched the gas, you'd slide off the road. I tell all that story to say this. When I woke up the next day, I hated winter a lot. Before that moment, I didn't really care. I was from up north. But after I got to the end of that day, I hated it. I mean, it would start to snow, I was staying in. I seen too many accidents, too many crazy things, too many issues. And I'd say, and i just stay right where I am. That's why my, my, my vehicle, my, my SUV, has four wheel drive. I know I don't need four wheel drive down here, it's flat and the sun's always out. And all I can use is rear-wheel drive. I, don't, I know that. But just in the chance it might snow here, I got four-wheel drive. Just in case. The point is, I don't like it at all. And where we are sometimes in life is sometimes we get hit with a trial so big it just keeps you from doing anything else. Y'all with me? It's easier to stay in than go out in that. It's easier to, I mean, my wife, she was getting, shes on, because she loves the winter. You know her. And it bothers her that I don't want to be out there in it. And when the hurricane was coming, I was enjoying, you know, I like the weather. You know, if it was been bad, I'd have been running just like anybody else, but it wasn't. Prayed, sat in the Lord, went to sleep that night, didn't care. Trusted God. When Hermine came through here, my wife told me the next day, she said, why aren't you that way at wintertime? I said, I've told her too many times and she still doesn't get it. I just don't want to deal with it. Don't want to have anything to do with it. You see, when you, in your life, what the enemy will do is hit you with a trial. And that's what he did with this church. He hit this church with a trial so hard that it was easier just to stay here than to step out. Because if you step out, you got to trust. I'm preaching prophetic here this morning. It's easier to stay right here. And allow ourselves just to be here at this moment because, hey, we got this. We can handle this. Yeah, the building's not full. Yeah, we got these things. Yeah, everything's not the way we want it to be. But, hey, we got this. We're okay. But God says, I didn't give you all these things just so that you could stay right here. I didn't give you all these things, all these blessings, all these all this future, all this potential. I didn't give you every property, every acre. I didn't give you all this just so that you could stay here. I gave it to you so that you can keep going forward. Mm. And what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell us is that we need to go back to our first love. You know, I've got a, I've got a good marital advice for you all. You can't see this. Maybe you can. There's a picture of me and my wife. She's hold on. Nineteen. And and I'm I'm there in the tuxedo, and I am. She's nineteen. I'm twenty one. And I look, and when she's getting under my skin, I grab that picture. I look at her and put it back away. Because she's 19 in that picture right there. And I remember when I loved her. (laughs) And everything works out just fine. You all know what I'm talking about, don't you? She's going to kill me for that one. You see, if you, I've got Bible to back this up, all right? Hear me. Jeremiah 2, the Bible says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Go and cry in the hearing of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, I remember you the kindness of your youth, the love of your betrothal when you went after me in the wilderness, in a land not sown. There's something about young love. You know what I'm saying? They're crazy. I was crazy. I'm not looking forward to my kids growing up because I'm going to tell them it's crazy. It's a dad's opportunity to remind them that's stupid, but they won't listen. We all know that. But the point is, is that and your marriage, if you have trouble here this morning, hear me. This is a sub path for you. Remember what it was like when you first were betrothed. Remember what it was like. Go back to that moment in your mind. Grab your picture like I'd have to remind you. You see, what God is telling us this morning, and this is what he spoke to me in prayer. He said, I want you to remind your people the youth of this church. I don't mean the young people here today. I'm talking about the very beginnings of this church. And the moment, remind them is what he spoke to me this morning. Remind them of their parents and their grandparents. And how this was a land that wasn't sown. Mm. And they just stepped out. And they dreamed big dreams. And they had big visions. And they trusted the Lord. And they didn't envision a big 700-seat sanctuary. They didn't envision all the things that they had. They just had a vision of Jesus and walking with him. And that's all they wanted in their walk. And they walked with God. And they build bigger things and they stretched out those stake posts and they, they held to their faith. And The Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I want to show you an old video I made last year. It's an old video that is a it was our, our anniversary. when We turned 68. And here I want you, to, this year we're going to be turning, in 2017, 70. I got all kinds of ideas what we're going to do that day. But this particular video, if they have the sound, if it works, it's great. But if not, this video is, is familiar to you because it, it shows you images of those people I want you to hear and see one more time. Go ahead, sister, see if it works. Amen. Will you stand with me over this room this morning? I hope you get the point of that video. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight And the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run, Holy Spirit, with endurance, the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And I sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus spoke to me just like he speaks to you. If they will launch out, I will call their children home. I feel him from the north and the south and the east in the West, he will call your children home. The only favor we have is walking with him. If we go back to Egypt, we will surely die. But if we hold on to Jesus, we may not know where the bread's going to come tomorrow. We just, we just know whose hand it's coming out of. We may not understand why we're going through the trial we're going through. But we know if we need meat, he'll send the quail. We don't know if the sun that's going to be beating on us so much that we're going to be thirsty. We may not know the depth of our thirst tomorrow. But we know that if there's a rock nearby, all we have to do is cry out to the Lord. And if he needs to, water will flow from the rock. It's not going to be something we create. It's not going to be something we come up with on our own. It's going to be the hand of the Lord that has called your parents, your grandparents. And he's calling us today. And he's beckoning us and saying, will you trust me like your parents did? Will you hold to me like your, your predecessors did? Will you listen to my voice? like your ancestors and go on and launch out and hold to my hand and I promise you that I will save and I will heal and I will deliver if you hold to me I will take care of you says the Lord your God this morning Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of East Point Church of God and Pastor Larry Sterling